Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Ephesians with chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, which reads, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he faithfully teaches this passage in today's portion of this week's message entitled, Walk Like This. There is a descriptive and useful word that... um, wasn't in a lot of people's vocabulary until about the last, last decade, the word uh, worldview. And we specifically talk about a Christian worldview in his seminars. Mike Riddle talks about a Christian worldview. We've done it here at Heritage uh, from time to time. And it's, the, it's that whole perspective through which you see everything to do with the world. And I was thinking how... Uh, how the the Word of God helps us have this broad spectrum right down to specifics. Wednesday nights, God was teaching us through the book of Daniel, and we're seeing those uh, the, the, the sequence of the the beasts that represent these eras, these kingdoms, and these and this this big view of uh, of world history. And you don't grasp that if you don't grasp what God has revealed to us in His Word. But he also gets down to exactly what he wants you to do today when you walk out the doors from this place. And it all fits together. Today we're going to be in the first six verses of Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to get very, very personal and practical. The influence of examples is a very powerful influence. One of Marcia's and my favorite stories is about a newlywed couple that at last carved out enough budget money to um, have their first homemade roast beef dinner. They planned all week, pointed toward Saturday evening. Heather picked out a nice roast. Her husband watched as she was working around the kitchen, and he he pitched in and helped uh, wherever he could, but he he watched her... um, cut about half an inch off of each end of the roast and put it in the pan and she popped it in the oven. He couldn't control his curiosity. 
at the risk of possible offense of his lovely bride, knowing she was probably a little bit insecure about this, the finest dinner that she had attempted in their marriage, he said, honey, why did you cut the ends off the roast? Well, that's just how you do it, she answered. But why? Isn't it a waste of good meat? He truly just wanted to be a good steward. She said, well, my mom is the best cook I know, and that's the way she cooks roast, so it must be the best way. Well, the roast turned out great. Dinner was wonderful. But the mystery remained, and uh, not too long after that, Thanksgiving rolled around, and uh, the subject popped up at the Thanksgiving dinner. Mike addressed his mother-in-law as politely and uh, gently as he could. He said, you know, one of the things I have to be thankful about, about is what a wonderful cook my wife turned out to be. And I owe a lot of gratitude to you for being such a good example to her. But a question has been bothering me for a few weeks. When Heather cooked a roast, she cut a little bit off the ends before she cooked it. And she said, the reason was because that's how you showed her to do it. Why do you cut the ends off the roast? Well, said mother-in-law, that's the way my mother always did it. And her roasts were wonderful. Well, fortunately, Grandma was also at the Thanksgiving dinner. So all eyes turned to Grandma for the big question. Mom, why do you trim the ends off the roast before you cook it? Well, Grandma had to compose herself when she finally stopped laughing. And she shared the wisdom that had been passed on for two generations. She said, well, when you kids were young, we were living on a shoestring, and I only had one pan I could cook a roast in, but it wasn't big enough for the size of roast that we needed to feed the family, so I had to trim off the ends to make it fit the pan. How powerful is the example of someone you love? Well, this principle of powerful examples is a common one in the New Testament. Speaking of his role as a spiritual father to the Corinthians, Paul wrote this to them. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, he says, Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. Boy, that's, that's strong. And again in verse 11, uh, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, be imitators of me just as I am of Christ. Can you say to someone, if you want to learn to be more spiritually mature, follow me around? Wow. Well, Paul commended one of his favorite churches, the church at, at Thessalonica, with these words in chapter 1, verse 6 of 1 Thessalonians, you also became imitators of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And then later, he commended that entire church for imitating the example of other strong churches. 1 Thessalonians 2.14, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. The writer of Hebrews beseeched the uncommitted ones in the group to whom he wrote in these words, Hebrews 6.12, so that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Then that same author exhorts all of us to follow the example set by the ones who are our spiritual leaders. Hebrews 13.7, remember those who led you who spoke the word of God to you and considering the result of their conduct, 
imitate their faith. And there's a very general command in 3 John 11. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God, and the one who does evil has not seen God. In our passage for today, we have a very strong command about imitating good examples. How good of an example is this? Well, pretty good. Ephesians 5.1, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, we need to learn what that means. How can I actually imitate God? Well, there's a big clue in the theme word that we've been seeing through chapter 4 and now into chapter 5. A major theme word of Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 is the word walk. Your walk or your lifestyle, the way you live your life, that needs to match your position in Christ. In position, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. You are in Christ. Your practice, that's how you walk. Remember how chapter 4 began introducing the second half of this book? Chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And now here at the beginning of chapter 5, Paul's going to call us to think further about what it means to walk in the world as his child. It's a great word picture because walking as a physical analogy doesn't happen all at once. Uh, The coordination and the balance and the muscle development take time and lots of practice. I've I've never known of an infant who one day just crawled over to the edge of the crib, vaulted over the edge, leapt out and started running. Uh, Walking begins with quavering balance and many falls. It's followed by faltering steps and many falls. You know, come on, honey, you can make it, you can make it two more, oh, we almost made it. Then comes walking with help. How many times have you walked the little one along, given them two fingers to hold on to? Eventually, we all walk and we learn to run, but there are many falls. Gradually, we get pretty proficient at it, but only after many falls and a lot of practice. I've been walking for several decades now. I still stumble. At this end of the journey, I'm learning how to kind of go back to the first part again. But wouldn't we think it absurd for a 13-month-old to fall down while they're trying to make it to your loving arms and then say, this is for the birds. I'm going back to crawling forever. That'd be foolish. That would be to deny God's plan and normal development. But learning to walk and run requires hundreds of repeated attempts along with painful lessons that come from the failure. So it's a, it's a great analogy for spiritual growth. This chapter and the chapter before, well, and the chapter after it, talks about the walk of the new man. This is not telling you how to become a child of God. This is saying, because you are a child of God, here's how to live. Here's how you as a new creature in Christ, which he calls the new man in Ephesians chapter 4, This is how the new man lives. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.